Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend, Matt Oviatt. Matt, how you doing? Hey, doing good, Ken. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. You look like you might be colder than me just looking out that window there. It's cold outside. If you're uh, you're going to want to have a coat with you. Okay. So you're in, you're in Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City, yep. And are you in the city of or are you outside of Salt Lake? Just outside. Yeah, just, okay. uh, I, live, I live 10 minutes uh, north and then my office is like two minutes from my house. So, okay, yeah, nice. Just outside. You know, uh, my wife and I visited Salt Lake two or three years back and went up to Park City. Oh, and, nice. uh, man, it was nice. I, I'd never been before, but it's like the cleanest city, I think. Like the cleanest major city I'd ever been in. Was that in the summer or the winter you were up It was there? winter, yeah, because we yeah. went up to Park City and did snowmobile. It was funny. We don't, neither of us really like to ski. We didn't even love cold weather, honestly, but it was such a cool town. We went snowmobiling and hung out and did all sorts of fun stuff. The mountains are awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah it's Park City, Salt Lake area. It's a, I like it here. I can imagine. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So, so that's your primary investing market, I'm assuming. It is. Yep. And what's so, how long have you been at it? So I bought my first property in 2002. So, oh man. And I'm getting, yeah, I'm pushing 18 years here. You're old like me then. Awesome. <laughs> so, what's your primary model? I mean, I obviously we're in a mastermind together. Our businesses are probably yeah. similar. You do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. What sort of, what is your primary niche right now? So, we, wholesale and we and we buy fix and sell um we're about we're about 60 percent uh retail like buy fix and sell and we're about 40 percent roughly wholesale so and then i'll buy for every 10 properties that we either wholesale or retail i'll 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 I'll, I'll buy a a buy and hold property as well so I've, i've got a portfolio of 140 or 50 doors as well that I just kind of accumulated over the years. Man, that's fantastic. What are the, what are the purchase price and rent prices like out there? Uh, for some reason, I just assume it's a little on the expensive side, but what, what is the reality out there? It is. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I know some guys like, generally nationwide, like, like there's the 1% rule where if you can get, uh, monthly rent that's one percent of the purchase price and you're doing good but man that is that is tough to get in our market so our our median home price here is three hundred and eighty six thousand. wow that's so it's pretty expensive so um as a as a ratio of rents it, it really depends on on where you're at of course you know if you're on the right. west side more affordable which is where a lot of my rentals are Obviously, that's going to be a different uh, metric than if you're on the east side of Salt Lake, or if you're up in a place like Park City, or you know some of the nicer areas. Sure. But the property is pretty expensive here. Man, so most of the ones that you're buying to hold, what are those price points typically at? What are you able to get? So, um, I'm buying one. I'm buying a couple, uh, and we can 
talk about uh, talk about these deals today too. Uh, a couple duplex right now. I'm buying them for 250, 250 each each building, um, and the gross rents per building um, after I go in and do some fix up are going to be uh, eighteen hundred gross per building. Okay, so, man, and, and that's actually a pretty dang good deal. Is it really? Yeah, believe it or not, for guys like you that uh, work with much different numbers, it's actually a pretty good deal. So wow. Uh, well, let's dive right in. I mean, is that, I mean, obviously you've done a ton of deals. You've got lots of deals that you could probably consider your best deal ever, but I, leading up to this, it sounds like the deal you're putting together is super creative. That's why I'd love to dive into it. Yeah, it's pretty creative. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's actually kind of got me excited about it because it's kind of a different type deal than, than, uh, than what we normally do. So it's been uh, fun putting this together. So these are, it's a duplex then. And how did you source it? So two duplexes. Um, it came in through our marketing Canada. I'm not sure which marketing channel it came through, but, but it came through our, our marketing. So, um, off market, off market deal. Yep. So yep. my, my acquisitions guy went and met with the seller and the seller initially they were talking like cash price cause she wanted to get out, but then he built really good rapport with her and they got talking about, you know, what she needs and maybe some other solutions and come to find out she owns the property free and clear. And she was, in fact, open to seller financing it. So, I mean, she was kind of needed, you know, her price and, you know, pretty rigid with some things, but we were able to structure it to get her what she needed and, um, and get us a good deal. So this is, we're talking four doors, right? Two separate duplexes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, what's funny too, Ken, is initially my AM's talking to this lady about one duplex that she called in on. And then we got talking about seller finance. And this is where he pulled me in because it's not his... Yeah. We'll also talk about creative financing. And she said, Oh, I own another duplex too. I'm like, Oh, where is it? She said, Oh, it's right next door. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> why don't we just do both of them, man? And then that's kind of, kind of morphed into that. Isn't that so funny how so many sellers you get to talking to them and then you discover that there's more properties that you didn't know yeah. about all it's, the time. It's kind of like private lenders where they're like, Oh yeah, I got 200. And then right. all of a sudden they're giving you 600 or whatever. It's so true, man. You're yeah. exactly, nobody tells you up front what's really going on behind the scenes. That's so funny. Yeah. So two duplexes, free and clear. And what was what did she say she wanted for them? Two fifty. So so two fifty per building, and she was super stuck on her price. So okay. we we tried to get her to come off a little bit um, after she said that she would she was willing to do some seller financing. We tried to get them at a purchase price of two forty per building. Yeah. Like, no. I want 250 because I know I can sell these and she's right. She can't sell them. And she, she would sell them quicker than she realizes if she was just going to put them up on yeah. the open market. Right. So, and how much is she currently getting in rent from each of those? She's currently getting like, she's got four different tenants. So she's got a vacancy on one and I want to say like 650 to 725 is the range for her other three tenants per month. Dang. That's not good. <laughs> I mean, in well, terms of not good, right? So interestingly, we just wholesaled a duplex that's in the same area as this. Yeah. We wholesaled it for 280 and it was it's in worse condition than these are. So we could wholesale these for 290 each with with these numbers I'm giving you. With like 700 aside, so like 1400 in rent. Uh yes. And and eighteen hundred pro forma rent. Yeah, these would wholesale cash out for two ninety, and if we were to wholesale the financing behind it, we could get more than that. 
you feel like uh, market rents closer to 900 than us per side on these? It is. That might be, that might be a little low. It might be 925, 950, but okay. we're, we're just running on nine. I gotcha. Wow. That is, yeah. that is a huge difference than a lot of the other, the rest of the country, but that's just the reality of the market that you're in. It's just more, exp- I mean, naturally, right? More yeah. expensive markets. So, and not that Salt Lake is super high. I mean, not that I'm super well-versed with other markets, but um, if it feels, I think 386 median is pretty high. It's pretty high. No, that's yeah. pretty darn high. Yeah. So, so, okay, how did you flip this lady then? And get, obviously you probably left it at 250 since she was stuck on that. So how did you flip her into doing yeah. owner financing? Yeah, so, so we we talked through how she would be a lien holder, how she would be collateralized mm-hmm. on each one of the properties. Um, and we kind of, I, I kind of just asked her what she wanted. Yeah. So one of the questions that I asked her was, um, um, do you even, do you need any money for anything? And she said, no, I don't need any money for anything. Okay. So I said, okay, well, what, we're not going to give you any money down then. Um, and she, and she kind of, I just kind of went with that and she went along with it. So, so no down payment um, was, was one of the bonus nice. on these. On these nice. So, so then we got into interest rate and she kind of had some interest rates in mind and we had some interest rates in mind and, and every property that I buy, I want it to, to cash flow some. Mm-hmm. And so if we had a 5% interest rate on a, $250,000 mortgage, the payment, in fact, I got my, on my phone here with me, but the payment was like 12, 1300 bucks. Okay. Just principal and interest. So then add tax and insurance and management and maintenance and vacancy and all those other things. Even if we're getting 900, there was just nothing, nothing left. And so the way that we ended up structuring it was we did a 15 year balloon with her okay. for the first five years it's a 2% interest rate amortized over 30 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Over the next five years, the interest rate steps up to 4%. And then over the next five years, it steps up to five and three quarters percent. Huh. And what that did was it got her the return that she was looking for, Mm -hmm. like a blended return. Yep. But it got us a low enough payment that we could, that it was a, a palatable deal and a deal that we would want to keep. So, so the 2% 30 year AM payment turned into $924, which, nice. you know, add those other fees on top or other expenses on top, you know, we're going to be left with roughly, you know, three, three fifty, maybe 400 a month, depending if we get 900 or 925, whatever we can, can bring in. So, wow. So you took a deal that basically, didn't cash flow, and just by negotiating down the interest rate, you created four hundred dollars a month in cash flow for yourself. I, are you thinking the end game on a property because it's not it's not really a cash flow play? I guess it sort of is, at least for the first five years it is. But in your mind, are you thinking, okay, this sucker's going to appreciate over the next couple of years? For sure, yeah. The the projections for Salt Lake look look good. We've got a really strong economy, and we, we've got uh, a consistent migration we, we get a lot of Californians that move here and uh, our our population is is consistently growing um, yep. so it's it's really not a cash flow play at all but I'm a buy and hold guy uh, 
I just, I love, for this one, I love it because I can just hold on to this thing for the next, you know, 10, 20 years and, you know, rents will eventually go up. And, yep, right. Uh, You'll pay the mortgage down. It'll appreciate. I mean, it's a, it is a nice, good, straightforward, like you said, buy and hold, but now you've got these really cool creative terms where you didn't even put any money down on it. And no money down. Yeah. And then, and then we put some, uh, some pretty interesting terms in here as well. So I had a, a, a friend of mine, um, Eddie Speed helped me, help me with these oh, yeah. terms and, and he's, nice. a, he's, he's brilliant, man. He so is he, brilliant. Yeah. When negotiating terms for sure. Yeah. So all, all credit to him on this. So, so we added in, um, a couple things that make the deal a little bit more interesting. So one thing that we did is, um, this note is going to be assumable or wrappable. So if I decide to sell it off at any point, then the new buyer can, I, I can keep, they can keep that really good loan in place. Okay. So, oh yeah. That's again, marketable in and of itself. Yeah, it is. Right. And I, again, I, I plan on keeping it, but it's nice to have options if, you know, in the event you wanted to, if you needed some flexibility down the road. So sure. um, we also got a right of first refusal on the, on the note. So if, if the seller decides to sell one or both of these notes down the road, um, we've got the first right to buy that note. Um, if she were to get, you know, financial hard times and sell at a discount, then yep. we'd have first option to come in and buy it. Okay. Nice. Then we also did a, it's called a, a catastrophe clause. So anything that our insurance doesn't cover, any rents that our insurance doesn't cover, um, such as a, maybe if we, if it's not covered by a flood or an earthquake or some sort of catastrophe, we have a 90 day moratorium on payments. So the seller agreed that if there is some kind of a natural disaster, then we don't have to make payments for 90 days um, during that time. So that gives us a little bit of time to, you know, catch our breath and reset the property. Hopefully if something does go wow. wrong. So who, who decides what's considered a natural catastrophe, I guess? Well, so the way that we decided it is if, is if my insurance doesn't cover tenant rents. Okay. So like earthquake insurance, we live on a fault line in Salt Lake. Really? Earthquake insurance. Yeah. It's, it's super expensive here. And I, I don't get it on a lot of my properties. So, mm. so something like that would be, you know, where it's not covered by insurance. And I, I would just show the seller that it, in fact, isn't covered, and and we'll have the language in there that uh, that, that makes it pretty clear. We'll, we'll have super clear language in the note. That's awesome. I've never heard of somebody putting in a catastrophe clause, but good for you, man. Yeah, We're just jamming all sorts of fun clauses in this thing. Yeah, and then we've also got a um, a substitution of collateral. Uh, oh, clause nice. Clause. Yeah, and how that works is if in the event that we ever that I ever want to sell the property. Um, we can move her note, these terms on this note, I can move it over to a different property. So um, because the financing terms are really, really good, yeah. I would sell the property and then lose the great terms on this note. So if I own a, another property that is similar value to her collateral, then she agrees to move this note to the new collateral and then I could sell out of these properties. That is so powerful. And so few people know that this little, this little trick exists. 
my question yeah. is, does she have to approve whatever you substitute, whatever you swap for? How does that work? So the way that we're doing it is uh, she has agreed that whatever she swaps into, she will have 30% equity. So whatever the note balance is, she'll have 30% equity. Oh, so interesting. Typically how it's done is, is the clause would be a little bit more generic. It might say a property that is equal or greater value, you know, right. but if in, you know, 12 years, this loan's paid down to, I don't know, 150,000, I don't know what it would be, call it 150. Mm -hmm. The nice thing there is this property is probably going to be worth, I don't know, in 12 years, whatever it's going to be worth, much more than 250 or 300. Right, right. So now I just need to give her, with a $150,000 loan balance, 30% equity in the substituted property. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if I've got a property that's, you know, worth 250 or, you know, 230 or whatever in 12 years from now, that subs that, that collateral would qualify for the substitution of her note. Gotcha. And, and does, is there any sort of process where she has to prove it and be like, yes, I like this house or you, you just get to do it and she gets the 30%. Um, so we've agreed that uh, we're not going to give her collateral that's, outside of Salt Lake County. Okay. And that it's going to be a housing type of property. So we're not going to put her note on a piece of land or on a industrial building or, or something like that, because she wants to be comfortable that if the note does default, she's got to take it back. She can handle it. And she's, she's comfortable and she, she's had a few rentals before. So that's kind of gotcha. in her comfort zone. Dude, this is super creative negotiating, man, on a deal that really didn't work at the outset in terms of numbers for most investors. Yeah. And now it's screaming. Yeah. And, and now it works. And I, like I said, deals like this are super tempting because there's, there's good wholesale fees, right? Yeah, right. And, and I think that's one of the struggles that we have as investors is you take the money today you spend the money today to operate your business, you pay commissions, you do whatever you're doing, you pay taxes on it. Yep. You know, if you want to build wealth, you got to figure out how to hang on to them. So even though the wholesale fees are, are tempting on these ones, I think uh, I'll be happier in the long term having capital. For sure. Yeah, you, 10, 15 years down the road, you're not going to be kicking yourself because you held a lot of properties. You're going to be like, thank God I did that. Every time, man. I mean, and, and I think the guys that have been around a little while, really know that yeah you know where you've seen when you've held a property for 10 or 15 years and you see what it's done you know the power of it yes absolutely so yep. it's not just it's not just theoretical like you you see it in your own net worth so that's right that's right well this is awesome so I, i'm just curious obviously this probably gives you a different outlook on things how is this going to change your business going forward having negotiated a deal like this you know what can it, it does so we get and I think a lot of operators out there that are buying off market deals every, every day, every week, every month, you get sellers calling. And most of the time when those leads get pushed over to whoever the sales guy is, you're talking cash. You're talking, what's the price that we can, what's yep. the cheapest price we can get it for. But what this does, if we can get a 2%, 5%, 10% of our, sellers that would talk to us now where they have to get their price. If we could at least have the conversation on them being a note holder and we could take their, we could take, create some sort of financing structure 
that's going to improve our, our deal flow tremendously. And, and knowing how some of these clauses and how you can kind of manipulate some of the terms yep. gives you the ability to, to create more deals without having to spend new marketing dollars to generate more deals. Yep. Yep. I mean, even this deal is a perfect example where if you, if you just settled on 5%, you're not really cash flowing, but you say, no. Hey, for the first five years, let's make it 2%. And then the next five years, let's make it 4%. All yep. of a sudden you created a deal just by negotiating that one little term. Yeah. That's yep. amazing, man. I love it. What yep. a great, what a great, what a great owner financing deal you put together. Matt, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was fantastic. Heck yeah. It was, it was fun, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Talk soon. Take care. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'm with my good buddy, Matt Oviatt, out of Salt Lake City. And Matt, I want to hear about your worst deal ever. Dude, I got to like think through, man. I got, uh, I, I got a few bad deals. So, uh, but I, I've, uh, th the one that comes to mind is uh, kind of a, a more recent one in the last uh, 12 or 18 months. So this was a property that I bought out in Louisville. Interesting. And, now, why Louisville? Why were you guys targeting Kentucky? Yeah, so we were... Um, so we wanted to find a market that was demographically much different than ours. Yep. We wanted somewhere in the Midwest or the South. And we also wanted a market that was population less than a million people. Okay. We felt like it would have uh, less competition there. Yep. So, so we, was the primary model wholesaling there? What are you guys doing there? We wholesaled and we rehabbed out there. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And yep. are you still in Louisville? We pulled out uh, January of 19. Okay. Which a really great thing has come from that. So now we're just focused on our market and we're doing more revenue than we ever have before just because we're not distracted like yeah. resources across two markets, you know? Right. So that's right. Power and focus, man. Totally. I totally get that. So this is a deal that you picked up in Louisville. Yeah. So. We tried to wholesale it and we okay. couldn't, we really didn't get really good at wholesaling out there. Yeah. But we decided to buy this. We had our, we had our inspector, we had our, uh, our agent walk through it. We got the numbers. We had our scope of work put together prior to buying it. We felt like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a good deal. So this Caught is off, off market? Off market deal. Yeah, it came from our marketing. Okay. And we're going to fix it up and, and sell it. So 
where it really went wrong is the day that we bought the property. For how much? Ooh. Um, I don't remember what we bought it for and what we sold it for, Ken. I just yeah. know what we lost on it. <laughs> was this a low end house or a high end? Was this like a hundred to two hundred somewhere there? This was like a hundred and fifty, a hundred and eighty okay. purchase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So kind of in that, uh, kind of in that range. So okay. the we closed it. Yeah, seller lit the house on fire, started a fire in the basement, and just like torched this place. So what then the we had. A, so then what, our, they were just mad at you for negotiating them down or something. Who, no, they weren't even mad at us. It was a it was a family member whose boyfriend just got out of prison. Of course, kind of a loose cannon and uh. start a fire. So started a fire. The fire department got there enough to salvage the the structure, but there was of course significant damage, and then that increased our scope of work <laughs> tremendously. And we weren't really fit to do that type of a remodel remotely as well. Like our, our crews could do a remodel to a certain level, but we're pulling permits and putting in new trusses and, you know, four way inspections. Like that was not, uh, we were not cut out for that. So, so, so you guys bought it same day it burns down and then, and you did not have insurance on it. Yeah, so our, our process then was we didn't get, so we would buy a property and then we would submit it to the insurance to get a, get a right. call. So right. it was doing that window, that 24 hour window where we were just exposed and. Oh, we were, uh, I feel like a lot of insurers almost give you that window, especially if you have like a master policy where you're taking on and, and you're putting properties on and taking them off. There's no grace there, I guess, at least for the one that you had. With at that time with this property, there wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, so, yeah, it would have so uh, that would have saved a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, even the taking an eighty thousand dollar loss on one deal oh, hurts, man. Like no matter how good business is going in other areas, that uh, that was a stinger for sure. Oh, that's painful. So yeah. so it didn't burn to the ground. It burned well, bad enough that you could still fix it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean there were significant you know trust damage and flooring damage and interior wall like we had to we had to gut the place um oh, new wiring new new ducts you know hvac and plumbing and you know there were some of it we could salvage still but there was a significant amount of work that we were not prepared to to do so what was the renovation on it do you even remember yeah so we Originally, we were like, our projection was in the 40 to 50 range. Yeah. So pretty significant um, remodel. And then, man, that thing ended up costing us like, I want to say 100 and, 160, 180. Yeah. And we, had to, we also had to hold the thing forever, too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So you're oh, and let me throw this in too, Kim. And the ARV number that our agent got us at the time. Yeah was about 40 or $50,000 low. So oh, no. what we ended up selling it for, even after doing a great remodel on it and spending all the money was much less than what our original projection was. So even after basically building a new house. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. So we, it was like one of those deals, you know, sometimes you do a deal and you're like, man, 
everything is just going right on this thing. Like yeah. somehow it just comes together and you make your money. It's like, wow, that was easy. And <laughs> other bills are the exact opposite and yeah. Yeah. super painful. And we were, we held that thing for over a year doing the remodel. And oh was, man. It was such a, it was a, I would tell you what, man, it was so nice when we sold that thing to get that off the books and get that off the property list. It just felt good to move on. I can imagine, dude, that is painful. We, I was just telling you earlier, we had to burn down a couple of years back and thank God we had insurance because the insurance actually at the end of the day, it may, allowed it to be a profitable deal. But I tell you yeah. the, the downside of a fire, even if you have insurance is that our, our insurer did not renew us at the end of the year because uh, you have a big event. That's it. They're not going to, they're not going to insure you anymore. And so we yeah. had to go find a new, a new policy and that sticks with you having a claim like that sticks with you. It sticks with you. You know what's funny? So I've had, I want to say three or four now, um, properties that have burned where we had insurance on them. Oh, wow. Every one of those. Yeah. It's like, man, what a great day. <laughs> Cause you get a new property now, essentially. Like you take an old dilapidated, you know, yeah. 40, 50, 30 year old property and you're uh, you get a significant amount of equity in that thing. So it's not That's true. Bad. Although like, like, but you're, but those, sometimes those insurance rates will get jacked up on you though too. And it's almost like over the long term, it's not worth it. Yeah. That's uh, depending on how much go up or how yeah. much go up. But yeah, that's yeah. So fires, man, I'd rather just uh, stay away from those forever. You know, you do enough deals. That's just the bottom line. I mean, I know you've done hundreds and hundreds of deals. You do enough deals. Is this what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to run into crappy deals and someone comes to house is going to burn down. It's just, is what it is. Something's going to happen, man. But the important thing, you just got to learn from it every time, every yeah. time you make a mistake and there's a screw up and it costs you money. Yeah. You just got to make sure that you fix the cause yep. and then you're better for it. Yeah. hundred percent. Matt, thanks so, so much for sharing that with us, man. Really appreciate it. Good talking with you. Heck yeah, man. Thanks, Ken. All right. Talk soon. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. Wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.